I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into a fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit sh should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. This is the word of the Lord. We're wrapping up our I Am statements. We're wrapping up this series that we've been on as we've been talking about Jesus the divine, Jesus the one who is above all and before all, who is the creator and maker and the savior, who is with God and is God. And it got me thinking that a lot of the, what we've talked about is who God is and who Jesus is. And the reality about who we are is we like to think of ourselves. We like to think about who we are and what we have to accomplish. I, I think there might be three categories of people when we think about it. The first category of people is a person of influence. Some of us long to be a person of influence, someone who can step into situations and exert either knowledge or power or strength or truth or frivolity and influence the room. Make it go in a direction that we want it to go. It, it might be that we long to be recognized as a person of influence, someone who knows the right thing to say at just the right time, or someone who has the ability to, to push forward into a situation that can handle confrontation and bring peace. And so some of our lives are built in ways that we are looking for how we can be a person of influence. I think there's also people who maybe don't consider that as what they want to do, but they think of themselves more as a person of circumstance. So a person of influence is very proactive in the way that they approach life, or they're looking to make things happen. A person of circumstance is somebody who believes that things just happen to them or around them. And what their job is to do is to learn how to react in the proper way to it. 
to sort of envision what's the best way I can respond to these circumstances that are happening to me. Now, sometimes a person of circumstance can get to a situation where things are overwhelming and so they're not quite sure what to do and they hope for a person of influence to step into their life and tell them what to do. But oftentimes a person of circumstance is quick and they have the ability to react to things that are taking place and they make successes out of failures. They're people that we really enjoy being around because it can look like the darkest day, but for some reason, because they know that things happen, they're calm and cool and collected and they respond in a way that brings about peace in the situation. I think a third type of person, as we think about who people are, is that you could be a person of no consequence. A person of no consequence is somebody who looks at their life and says, if I were gone, nobody would recognize it. And sadly, there are people in this world today that live that way. They think that if they no longer existed, if they weren't present, they are of no consequence to what's going on. That the world will happen, that things will go on, that people won't miss them. And they sit there as a person of no consequence. So here we're wrapping up this I am statements where we've talked about who Jesus is. And it's at this I am statement at the I am the true vine, that Jesus really points to his disciples, and by, uh, you know, reading the scripture, us as well, who we really are. What is our life? Are we a person of influence? Are we a, a person of circumstance? Are we a person of no consequence? Jesus says, no, I am the true vine, and in that you will recognize who you are. Look, God has revealed himself in Christ in the I am statement saying, I am life, and I am light, and I am food, being the bread of life. I am pursuit and protection. I am the shepherd. I am the way. I am the truth. And in each one of those things, it's really interesting, they require us to be part of that. You see, when Jesus says, I am the bread, bread doesn't really do anything if it just sits there. Bread has to be picked up and broken and eaten. And so if the bread just sits there, it gets moldy and it disintegrates. And so there's a sense that God needs us to be present, to be able to receive the bread, to make it fully what it's supposed to be. Light is not recognized if somebody is not present to see the light, to look at it to recognize it, to go, it once was dark, but now it is light. A shepherd is just a guy standing in the field calling out to nobody unless there's sheep present. And so when he says, I am the shepherd or I am the gate of protection, he needs the sheep present in order to be that way. But in some aspects, all of those things, when he's talking about I am these things, seem to be just about us receiving. I receive protection because he's the shepherd. I receive light so that I can see. I receive a path that I can walk on. I receive bread so that I can eat. But when Jesus says, I am the vine, he then reveals who we are. And he says, you are the branches. The thing about us being branches is that it is an active involvement. 
It is a going back and forth between the vine and the branches. The vine is growing up from the soil. It is giving nutrients to the branches. But as the branches grow and they produce fruit, it makes the vine stronger. It gives it what it needs so it's growing up. It is being more fruitful. See, the vine by itself can't produce fruits. It needs the branches to do that. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that God is incomplete in any form or fashion in saying that we're actively involved in the vine. As a matter of fact, what we recognize in the I Am statements of God is that He is fully all that He ever needs to be. He is complete in and of Himself. But we also recognize the Trinity is involved. And in the Trinity, what God longs for most and sees most is this eternal dance of ever-giving love which means that he rests in community. And so when he calls us his branches, what he's pushing us towards is community with one another. He's showing us that I long for relationship with you, that I need you so much. And we are the branches. So I want to take and look at what it means for the Father to be the gardener, what it means for Jesus to be the vine, the true vine, and what it means for us to be the branches. So the first thing we're going to look at is the Father. It says here in chapter 15, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser, or the gardener. And every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you've been clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So we see some things that the Father is responsible for there. The first one that we see is it says, take away. And I think that oftentimes we'll hear that and it causes us to be a little bit worried. Because we don't want to be taken away from the Father. Nor do we want to think that the vine dresser will look at vines that aren't bearing fruit, that are not doing things, and take them away. We, we don't want to do that. The interesting thing about this particular word is it means more than just take away. It actually means to take up, to lift up, to raise higher. And it's good for us that we live close to vine country. There's Swan River and there's Margaret River and they have vines that are out there. And you guys can experience this yourself. Go out and look at the vines and the way that they grow. Bruce Wilkinson, in his book called The Secrets of the Vine, tells the story that changed his understanding of what takeaway means. He was sitting with a, a, a wine a vineyard owner in California, and they were talking about the way that the vines grow. And they sat there, and, and the man who owned the vineyard was talking about how hard it was and the long hours that they spent tending to their vineyards and how it was uh, tedious to sit there and watch them. And then the vine owner said this, you know, new branches have a natural tendency to trail down and grow along the ground. But they don't bear fruit when they're down there. When branches grow onto the ground, the leaves get coated with dust. And when it rains, they get muddy, and then they mildew. And the branch becomes sick and useless. And Bruce asked him, well, what do you do then? Do you cut it off and throw it away? Do you take it away? And he says, oh no, the owner exclaimed. The branch is much 
too valuable for that. We lift them up and we wash them off. We go through the vineyard with a bucket of water looking for those branches. And he then showed how he would pick up a vine and he would wash it off. He said, then we wrap them up into the trellis and we tie them up and pretty soon they're thriving. So what we recognize here is that in the very first thing we see that this father, the gardener, the one who knows the true vine and knows that we are branches, recognizes that there are times and places in our lives where we grow towards the ground and the muck of the earth gets on us and it causes us to question whether or not we're really branches at all. And we might be feeling useless in our lives and we might be feeling like God is not doing anything for us and we don't see any evidence of that. But instead of thinking to ourselves that, oh no, I'm in trouble, I'm in danger of being plucked off this vine and thrown away, understand that the Father sees us as valuable and He comes along and He washes us. He takes care of us. And He raises us up so that we can bear more fruit for him. That's why Jesus says, I didn't come for the well, I came for the sick. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener and he is the one who looks for you who are sick and broken and raises you up and cleans you. Later on in this passage, Jesus says, you're already clean alluding to the fact that these men, these disciples who'd been walking with Jesus had been once on the ground dirty and the fact that the gardener had picked them up and washed them. So the first thing we see is that we are taken care of. That we are loved because we are seen as valuable. The second thing that we see is that we're pruned. Now, pruning is not fun. Pruning is not fun. It is something where God comes along to clip off those things that are keeping us from bearing fruit, keeping us from growing most fully. He has to find those things that have calloused our hearts, those things that have caused us to stop growing. And he needs to remove them so that we can have life. Because if too often we just let ourselves grow wild and we're not pruned back, then then we lose all semblance of who we really are. And so God comes in and he prunes us, he cleans us. Uh, We talk a lot around here about the little emperor me that sits on our hearts. This is where God moves in to talk to us, to speak to us, to change us, to say, let me show you those places where you can grow in trust and alliance on me. I am the one who knows who you are most fully and I will bring you into completion. And by bringing you into completion, that means you need to let go of those things that hinder you. Those places of selfishness, those places in your heart where you long to be the little emperor me. And so he prunes us. Sometimes he prunes us through consequence. Consequence of bad decisions that we made. Consequence of things that cause us to be placed into pain. Sometimes he prunes us through people who come in and speak into our lives and say, I've recognized this about you. I've seen where you've become selfish in this area. Is there a way that I can help you overcome that? Is there a way that I can point you to the truth of who you are in Christ? Then the last thing that we see about the Father, we see in verse 8, 
it says that if we abide in the vine, if we abide as branches, growing up, being cleansed by Him, being pruned by Him, then by this my Father is glorified that you are bearing much fruit. See, the fact is, is the owner of the vine is God, and He is the one who receives glory and honor because of what we do. And that's where the pruning really begins. Because too often we're wanting to receive glory and honor for what happens. We're the ones that are wanting to say, look at how good I am, God. Give me a little pat on the back, would you? Give me some credit. And the Father says, I give you credit because you reside in the vine. And you bear fruit because of that. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And so what we recognize there very often is that there are also other vines that are not true vines. There are things that we want to get ourselves attached to that we think will give us life, that we think will cause us to bear more fruit. Uh, maybe it's a, a philosophy or maybe it's a, 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 some other form of spirituality or maybe it's your job or maybe it's your family or maybe it's your car or maybe it's the lotto or who knows what it could be. There's any number of things that we can think are this other vine and we look at it and we think that's the vine. But Jesus very clearly says, I'm the true vine. I'm the one that provides life. I'm the one that is rooted in the garden of the Father. And so you come to the true vine and you are placed inside of it. So Jesus says, I am the life source. Where, where do we see him talking about that? He says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and burned. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. That there's a sense that if we are not in the vine, then we cannot produce fruit. If we are not in the vine, then we are not living. He later on says, you can't do anything without me unless you're in the vine. And so he tells us that I am the life source. I am the one that gives you all that you need to live. I am the one that brings you to this place. But what Jesus also tells us is that it is joy. And this is maybe what's most important for us. He says to these, I've spoken these things to you, why? So that my joy may be in you. Look, if we abide in the true vine, then his joy rests within us and our joy may be made full. So we have the Father who cares for us, is the gardener who lifts us up and cleans us and prunes us so that we can be firmly implanted in Jesus who is the life source, the true vine, the one who brings us joy. And the only command is this, that we abide. That we stay in. That word has the connotation that you are at home. Now, home, for many of us, that's a hard word to hear because our homes were maybe not peaceful. Our homes were not places of rest. Our homes were not places where we could trust. And so I want to acknowledge that and say, Jesus steps into that and he redeems that word for you. He says, I know true home because I am the truth of that home. That I bring care and mercy and love and patience and steadfastness that I bring surety and protection, that I bring fullness and I bring joy. And he says, abide in me. Rest in who I am. Wow. 
Well, how do we do that? He says it three or four times. Love one another. Love one another. You abide in me by obeying my commands. What are my commands to you? That you love one another. And so that's what we're called to do. Those of us who are in the true vine, we show that we are branches, that we're attached by our love, our self-sacrificing love for one another. That we don't elevate the little emperor me anymore, but we're always looking to the concerns and the place of those who are around us. Not out of some martyrdom, not so that we can say, see it how well I love you all, but by the fact that the Father has loved us so much that we can't help but overflow. Why? Because we are attached to the vine who loves us and gives us life and energy and the source of that love. And so that's where our obedience rests that we're constantly, always, and forever looking to be those who express and experience God's ever-pursuing, steadfast love. Now, it's interesting. There's that passage I read just a little bit before. If you abide in me, my words abide in you, and ask whatever you wish. Oh, I'm sorry, it's the verse ahead of that. It says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Oftentimes, we will read verses like that. And because our hearts are human hearts, we will hear them with human ears. And our human ears hear judgment in that passage. We hear him say, if you're not in me, you're no better off than dead. I'm going to burn you up. Listen, if you don't abide in me, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. This is not a judgment. This is a calculated warning. This is the pursuing, loving God who all throughout this says, the only way that you can bear fruit is if you're attached to me. The only way that you're really a branch is if you are in the vine. If you're not in the vine, then you're not a branch. And so what he's saying here is, look, don't act as if, don't live your life in a way that makes you not attached to me. And he's not speaking of actions and deeds here. He's talking about his pursuit of us and how he is the one who has grafted us in and brought us in to the true vine. And so it's not saying to you, if you don't stay with me, I'm going to get rid of you and burn you up. He's saying when you decide that you don't need me anymore 
and you separate yourself from my love and my pursuit of you, and you separate myself from all the other branches that are brought into the vine that are there to give you nutrition and there to protect you. When you decide that you can be self-sufficient, then you are just like a branch that is on the ground that is no longer a branch anymore but is just kindling. See, he says your purpose is not to have influence. It's not of no consequence. It's not just to let the circumstances of life affect you. Your purpose is to remain in me, in my love. And so he warns and says, when you step away from my love, when you move beyond my love, you will have a life that is dry. You will have a life that is easy to burn. A life that is dead. And so we hear those words as a, a warning to us that reminds us that our obedience to love one another puts us firmly into the vine. And if you ever look at a vine, the vine that just has one branch is not all that pretty. And Jesus likes pretty. He is beautiful beyond compare. And so we see all sorts of branches that are going into the vine. And it reminds us that we are not singular in and of ourselves a branch, but that we are part of the true vine. And being part of the true vine means that we have each other around us. And so for those of us who are in the true vine right here, my warning for you, my, my admonition, to use a big preacher word, is to say do not forsake the people that God has put you with in the vine. Hold on to one another. Go towards one another. Spend time in each other's life. Love one another. Because we don't want to see a branch fall and become kindling. And we're the ones who are called to hold it up as the Father comes along and cleans them up. We don't sit in judgment and saying they'll never get clean because we believe that the Father is a good gardener and He will clean all and care for all. Henry Nouwen, when he is speaking of this idea of our connectedness with Jesus and what it means to be engrafted into the true vine, he says this, the intimacy that Jesus has offered as his connectedness between the vine and the branches. He says that I long to be grafted onto Jesus as a branch onto the vine so that all my life comes from that vine. In communion with Jesus, the vine, my little life can grow and bear fruits. I know it, but I don't live it. Somehow I keep on living as if there are other sources of life that I must explore outside of Jesus. But Jesus keeps saying, come back to me. Give me all your burdens, all your worries, all your fears, all your anxieties. Trust that with me you will find rest. Dr. Seuss talks about Horton who hears a who. And in that, there's a refrain that Horton says, over and over again. He says that a person is a person no matter how small. Listen, a vine is a vine, no matter the size, no matter the fruits. A branch, I mean, a branch is a branch no matter the size, no matter the fruits, when it abides in the vine. Don't compare yourself to other branches. Don't think I'm not like that branch and my fruit's not like... There are times in our life where our fruit is just not growing because we need to be cleaned and cared for by the gardener. Don't think that I just need to remove myself from the vine. 
and get a new vine that will help me prepare better fruit. It won't. The problem is this. See, our dreams are too small. The problem is that our purpose that we think is our life is way too small. And so we get confused and we think to ourselves, I, I must not be fully engrafted into the vine because I'm not doing these tremendous things, these big things, but that's too small. We think maybe I need to try other vines because I don't feel as uh, uh, fulfilled as I should be fulfilling, being fulfilled. I, I don't feel as good as I should feel. But our dreams are too small if we think fulfillment is what it's all about. Because the fulfillment that we long for, that makes us the person who God created, is that we fulfill His dream. We fulfill His purpose. We are His desire. And so we rest in that place knowing beyond all concern that the Father cares for us and has given us all that we need in Jesus. Let me pray for us. Lord, if these are your words, let them take root in our lives and let them bear good fruit for you. And if they are not, Father, we ask that they burn up, that they don't, that they don't confuse us or take us away from your purpose in our life, which is to live in love for you and for all others. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.